everyone. Welcome back. This week, I'm joined by Nicole Krenzel. Nicole is an entrepreneur and CEO at Black Girl Fest. She has a love of art, technology and design. And so before I sat down to record, when I was preparing, researching for this episode, I really thought that Nicole and I were going to talk a lot about entrepreneurship and about business. But actually, the conversation really was centered around the post-pandemic hybrid working digital world and why self-care is actually way more important now than ever before and how those blurred lines are really impacting us. So it was a really great conversation and I really hope that you'll enjoy this week's episode as much as I did. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week, I speak to a variety of guests, from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, changemakers and innovators, to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by, and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire, so I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. All right, Nicole, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for asking. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. I think, you know what, if we just dive straight in, because you are, of course, the founder of Black Girl Fest. You're an angel investor and a creative entrepreneur. So we have so much to talk about. Not to mention that Time Out magazine called you a visionary Wow. Which I mean, you know, they're they're not wrong, but seriously, congratulations (laughs) on all of your well-deserved success because we love to see the recognition for all the work. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) So I guess we should start there. So for anyone listening to the show who may not know you and what you do in your journey, and also maybe they don't know everything or anything about Black Girl Fest, I'd love to start with that. So it's a platform dedicated to Black women, girls, and non-binary people. And I know that you initially did, you know, as I say, getting things off the ground takes a lot of work. You initially did a crowdfund Mm. and also utilized the power of social media and community to really get it started. But I can only imagine Mm. really how much, you know, I know that planning events, there's so many moving parts. So when you Mm. first started Black Girl Fest, so five years ago, when it was, you know, a project, a side hustle, an idea, did you know then that it had the potential to grow into what it has today? Um, well, it's it's an interesting one because when um, Black Girl Fest was co-founded, it was literally just like we wanted to see this thing happen and we wanted to see this platform and this space exist. But there's no way anyone could have imagined that it would have been the success that it is today. Even when we had the first festival and we had thousands of people registered to come down, that was the true um, test and proof in the pudding, really, that this was such a needed platform and what we were building was like, so so important and I think that's the most exciting thing when you start something just off the cuff you're just starting you're just trying to put something out there you don't really know how amazing it could be or it will be um once you actually till like till you actually start right and I went in with just this is just so powerful this is so needed this is so um so so uh kind of the most exciting thing that I'd seen happen for the community in a while that it just made so much more sense to start and figure out the rest of the stuff later. Um, But as you can imagine, like you said, like putting together such a large event of, of its kind, if anything, 
for kind of newbies, it's kind of, it's nerve wracking, but it's exciting and it's challenging, but it's all kind of a huge experimentation. It's just testing things out, hoping for the best. Um, and that's exactly what we've been doing. We've just literally been creating, developing, innovating, and constantly just listening to our community to think about how we can make this an even more like incredible space. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's been incredible to to see it grow and to I'm excited to see what comes next. But I'm someone who when I have an idea, I want to do it all from day one. So I'm someone who, yeah. you know, I don't have I'm not short of ideas, I, I can think big, I can, you know, see it all. <laughs> and I think often for a lot of people, if, if they have that, if, you know, the big vision, big ideas, people, then it can be mm. difficult to go, okay, when you start, you want to execute the whole strategy from the beginning, from day dot. So mm. how did you approach that? How did you think about managing the pace at which to scale? Um, well, it was kind of all led by the community. It was like people basically saying, when's the next one? Um, I went back to my full-time job. I was just like, that was fun. Um, and people were like, when's the next one? How can I be a part of the next conversation? How do I be a part of the next marketplace? So it was really driven. And I think it always has been driven by the community. Um, as you said, the first one was crowdfunded. The second one, we kind of worked with so many different brands and partners and sponsors to make it happen. Um, so scaling was a bit of a no brainer to the, to the extent of which we scaled year on year was the, the challenge. Right. And I think that's the challenge for anyone that's starting a small business. It's like, how do you grow sustainably, but in a way that is, um, within your reach. Right. I always think, I always say like living, living within your means is so important, but building within your means is, is as important Mm. too. Um, and so I was really adamant on like doing this correctly, doing it right and not letting, the hype and all the attention um, be one of those things that scale too quickly and fail as just as quickly. Um, I saw the, the the platform, the festival, the the community as being one that's going to be around for a very long time, and so it didn't really need a rapid growth and a rapid decline. It needed long term, sustainable, um, uh, and effective uh, growth, and it meant that taking my time thinking things through is as much as I can, if anything, was just really important. And as we know, something that slowed down the whole world um, last year meant that I had more time to really think about our growth and think about our future as a business. Yeah, for sure. And I think following on from that, you know, when something does Mm. grow and it does scale and you do have, of course, more opportunities, I suppose, or maybe there's more partners that want to get involved or more brands or more, there's more, more, more. So then I think that the difficult dilemma for a lot of people can be how to prioritize and which things to actually say no to. So I'm sure you're not stuck for new ideas, new, new opportunities. As I said, people want to, to get involved. And I think that can be where for a lot of people, you know, the getting started bit, there's so much advice about getting started, but later on, they find themselves confused, overwhelmed. And I think that is also, mm. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, I see at the moment as well, just because we can do it all doesn't necessarily mean that we should. So for example, you know, now mm. I think if people have an idea, they automatically think they have to have this kind of multi-channel, multi, you know, for example, they've got to have a membership, they've got to have a newsletter, they've got to have a podcast, they've got to have events, they've got to have a mentor mm. and be a mentor and do it all. So how do you now, how do you remain focused and filter out what to do and what not to do? Mm. A lot of it um, comes from actively listening to our community, thinking about where we have the biggest impact, what makes the most sense, and also what we can actually physically manage. I'm so against overwhelming myself just to look busy. 
I'm more for I always say I always I always say yes to the things that I love that I know that I would just absolutely just go ham in doing my best and being my very best on those things so I I always try to decipher like what this is or if I'm just making a decision about if I need to create something I have to think about is this necessary for the community and do I have the capacity to make this happen because it's so easy to fall down the trap of like oh I've seen someone else do this so I'm gonna do it too and not have the direct link as to like why are you doing this in the first place because if your whole community don't use YouTube why have you started a YouTube oh it's because Mm -hmm. I saw somebody else start a YouTube channel you know it doesn't make any sense and it's just a complete waste of your time and it you see that it's not getting the engagement that it needs and it's because you haven't listened to what your community actually are and where they actually are um so that's kind of how I approach it really I think about there's so many brilliant businesses out right now definitely more so than when we started like years ago that are focusing and centering women and black women and black communities and it's just so inspiring that I'm far more enjoy that there is a group of us who are doing amazing things rather than a singular organization that's trying to do it all um it's more enjoyable to work and collaborate with people who are working in similar spaces as you than it is to overwhelm yourself to try and do everything all at once um it looks messy it looks crazy and I think that um, your community probably will disengage if there's just one singular place where they can receive information, content, inspiration, X, Y, Z. They would, the way the world is moving, definitely when we think about how social media apps are more or less trying to all do the same thing, but across the different segments or the markets of which they capture mm-hmm. across social medias. But you still experience them in different ways. And we all know that, you know, even when Twitter started doing like stories and, you know, Pinterest are doing stories and like YouTube are doing stories and everyone's doing these kind of short, quick framed videos similar to Instagram and similar to all these other social network apps um, that started it all before. I think Snapchat was probably the first one. Um, And although they're all doing the same thing and trying to give their consumers the same kind of experience, It's all very different based on what those different apps offer you. And Mm. that's why I think there's there's a really interesting part to play in terms of how um, we navigate businesses that are, for example, all supporting women. They all support women, but in a very different way. And I think that it's okay okay for people to do different things and actually it works out very better because you have more people who are experiencing the different communities that you're building the different um content that you're you're pushing out and I think that's really important as well um I I I don't want to be although in my professional career it might look like I'm a jack of all trades I've had to completely like shift that mindset and say figure out what you're good at focus on those things um and in a social media driven world, it's really hard not to, in the like the lockdown, for example, start a whole bunch of things because you see other people starting them, yeah, um, and feel the pressure to be like, oh, I've got to, I've got to create a YouTube channel now because what, what else am I going to do in this downtime? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the thing, I think, from an individual level, as well as, you know, you're talking about the, the business, right? And saying, okay, making decisions for your community, yeah. uh, but also from an individual, because of course, now I, I believe that, 
even if you're not a creative entrepreneur, even if you work for an organization, I, I think there's a real shift, mm. not just because of the pandemic, but because of, you know, the, the hybrid working and the world now, I think there's this real shift on the individual, mm. it, regardless of whether you mm. call yourself an entrepreneur or not. And I think that's also where I was going with that kind of idea that you have to do it all. So for example, I know, you know, I published my first book this year and I've spent a lot of time, you know, talking to other mm. authors, working with other authors, and even authors who, maybe they got into writing, you know, years ago, and they've always wanted to be an author. But now it's like, okay, if you're going to be an author, it's even like the publishing industry, they expect you to have so okay, build an Instagram following, have a podcast, do all these Mm. things. It's almost like you have to have this multimedia channel, even as a person, just as Mm. just as a human to be able to do your, your, your thing, regardless of, you know, whether you want to be on TikTok or whether you want it, because not, also everyone's got different strengths, (laughs) right? So for example, I've always been told, you know, I love to talk. I love to ask questions. I'm a curious person. And for me, speaking, either, you know, delivering talks or podcasting is the perfect fit for me because I'm an audio person. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Mm. everyone has to, I I said to somebody the other day, I said, you know, what would be great for you is not thinking about starting your own podcast, but actually what are the top 10 podcasts in the category that you're in who you could be a guest Mm. on their show? And, you know, thinking about it in a different way. But I really do think that Mm. the the individual now, like I said, this kind of expectation to have multi-channel, I I like what you said around Mm. choosing which are the ones that are going to serve the audience or serve the the purpose, but also which are the ones that you're Mm. good at and you don't have to do everything just because everybody else appears to be doing everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm literally. I advocate for that so much. Like, I, to this day, I still hadn't downloaded TikTok because one, Snap. I didn't want to get consumed by like people literally being addicted to it. Because I thought that's just weird. Why would I join the addiction? Hmm. But two, I'm just like, I have no business. I, I actually, I far more enjoy seeing what other people like people's curated TikToks on their Instagram stories because it tells me about their personality. It tells me about their kind of humor. Then I do digging for my own content to to laugh at. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I far more enjoy when people send me funny TikToks and I'm just like, oh, this is really funny. And then I keep it moving. But I have no business being on a platform that I don't have any intention to create for, nor do I want to add more things to my load of another social app that I now need to be on just because everyone else is on it. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I remember saying that to myself and people probably thought I was being really stubborn because in the lockdown time it was like what else are you gonna do and I was like well I'm just not gonna do that because I just don't want to and I don't have I don't have the capacity and I I, and I I don't think it's it's for me I I enjoy it but I'm I'm not ready to be addicted and I think that's me reclaiming my power back and I think more people need to do that um you know I have YouTube but I don't follow a lot of people I just if I want to watch something I find it I watch it and I keep it moving um and you know, I, I agree. I'm very much an audio person as well, but I don't have the time to create my own podcast, but I love speaking on other people's podcasts. Like, I think yeah. it's just, it's just a great way to be like, you know, you can enjoy things, but you don't always necessarily have to be the creator. And I think yeah. for people who are creators, they have to, they realize very quickly, like, I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. So let me hone in on what I'm good at and focus on that skill before I try to do other things too. Um, and that's really important in your journey, definitely for people who are necessarily call themselves an entrepreneur, but they probably call themselves like a creator or a content creator or a media person, whatever it is, to find what you're good at, stick to it and keep building from there. If there comes a time in your career when you're like, okay, I'm ready to go on YouTube, then you go on YouTube. But for now, if you just love creating quick videos on your Instagram stories and it's how you 
you know, showcase your art, your work, keep doing that thing and and stick with it. See where it leads you. Um, honing in on those skills is, is a really powerful skill set. And I think more people should focus on that than focus on trying to be everywhere at once. Yes, I agree. And I'm also not on TikTok and will not be persuaded <laughs> to even download it. I mean, to be honest, I have, a, I have a 10 year old son. So I also feel like I'm now in that chasm, in that gap between where I'm soon going to be like, yeah. oh, the kids. And I literally mean, I literally mean the kids are on a social media platform <laughs> that I have no business to be on. So yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go there either. But yesterday, Nicole, yesterday I saw on Instagram stories, I saw you talking about the reality of a post-COVID world when it comes to mm. work and life, the work-life blend, people's expectations mm. of our work lives. And I've got some stats to share around this because I'd really love to hear your thoughts Ooh. on whether or not you're, you're experiencing the same thing when it comes to the world of side hustle and the hustle culture and whether that hustle culture is ever really going to go away. So yeah. the stat that I saw, which is a recent MetLife study from June 2021, so June this year, and that said that 42% of people aged between 26 and 40 said that they have experienced burnout due to this new hybrid working world. Post-pandemic, mm. many people said they're now working longer hours than they were before the pandemic. Now, mm. anecdotally, as someone who works in a tech startup, so you know anyone who works in a startup, they'll know that that is is full on as well as all of my other projects that I that I do and I know I've got a lot of friends who either whether they're employed or freelance they would agree with this statement because they're now working mm. when they would have maybe been commuting they can now just wake up and go straight into emails straight into slack messages open their laptop mm. whilst they're you know boiling the kettle and mm. the virtual meetings this this virtual meetings in the diary all day they're then having to do work in the evening to catch up because they're in so many just yeah zoom meetings during the day so mm. nicole what do you think about this stat of 42 percent, nearly half of millennials saying that they're now burnt out due to this hybrid working life mm, I, ugh, I mean i'm not surprised am i like i'm not surprised because i think what has been really interesting about the last year is i think it, there were there were there were different modes of of experiences that were shifting it was like Loads of people who were put on furlough, loads of people who unfortunately made redundant. We saw it as a bit of a holiday because we didn't know how long we were going to have these lockdowns for. Um, so it felt more like, you know, this is some time off that I probably would never get. Let me try and do something new. Let me hang out in the park. Let me, you know, really try and take this downtime to, to think about where I want to be and what, what I want to do. Then there was like another huge social shift, which was like, this is long term. And the conversations around this new normal were really setting in um, when we th think about workplaces, we're thinking about things, changes that people were making within their organisations, but also um, young people, millennials, definitely, who were now having to go freelance, maybe start a small business just to stay afloat. Um, and this question over this new normal and what this would look like are, you know, there's still thinkers and movers and shakers, people, writers are still trying to define like what this looks like in this new world that we're living in. And then you have this period of time, which I think I call it the aftershock, right? It's the after wave mm. of everything that's happened over the last year and a half. A system that has failed us, I can rightly say, a system of government that has failed us countless times. And this now new space that we're all trying to navigate, um, which is hybrid, which is almost like... Um, like you know when you come out of a you come out of a cinema and the lights are on 
And it was like, oh my gosh, like the lights, it's just so bright. Like it's, it feels new, but it's like, I, I recognize these lights, but it's still blinding. And you're just kind of like finding your bearings. Mm. That's what it feels like coming out of everything that we've had so far. Definitely for me, because I was very much just like having almost social anxiety with like leaving my house. I was like, I'm going out to stuff, but I like to stay at home. I want to meet people, but I feel comfortable doing virtual things. There's just confusion right now as to what new normal actually looks like. Some organisations are telling their employees to come in. Some organisations are going totally remote. There's just this complete mix of this hybrid, you know, reality that is just now merging into what once was before and what, what, what is now. And it's leaving them with so many people confused, right? There is no going back. There's only going forward, but forward hasn't been defined. And we're all kind of just existing in this hybrid space with no clear standard or framework of how we go forward. So we're just overworking ourselves. We're doing stuff in person. We're doing stuff virtual. We're working in the evenings. I'm absolutely not surprised about that, that um, statistics because I too have been burnt out so many times pre-COVID, post-COVID, and trying to navigate how I how I take the lessons of lockdown and try to apply that to my life at, at the moment. Um it's 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 crazy half the country probably feels like covid is gone we've all been vaccinated let's go back to how the life used to be other half are still very aware that things will never go back to the how things used to be and there's another group of people who are still terrified that they could contract covid or things could go back to how things used to be there's a level of anxiety that still remains within society i feel like that any at any moment very much like how it's been for the last couple of um, over the last year, at any moment, everything can just shut down again. And that is anxiety inducing, that's stressful. Mm, it's unnerving. And I think that it's unnerving. And I think that still remains within the air. Like we see how things have happened across the pond in the, in, the, in um, Australia, New Zealand, and we know our winter time is coming, but we don't know if things could just switch off at any moment. We just keep going with the hope that we're now moving into a completely different new world. But I do think this, this, element of let's all be hybrid forever but have no framework or boundaries as to what that looks like is really is really harmful and to hear that so many people are um you know basically spending more hours in your statistics spending more hours working than they were pre-covid is like crazy because it's like mm. what we're meant to slow down wasn't didn't the world slow down and and we all face off you know our front about some of the serious social political issues in the world and suddenly take that on as our as our kind of forefront um to challenge and to you know construct and to rebuild on or are we just all like falling back into the trap the normalities that we had pre-covid falling back into the routine and trying to make it work in this hybrid scenario i think that Sorry, sorry. I think it's funny because even when you're describing that reality, I think it's, as you said, it's very, it's been very, very different for different people. And I think mm. the thing that has changed the most is people's expectation of our mm. time. That certainly mm. was the case for me. I have never worked more. And although it was a blessing because people would say, oh, you know, some people have lost their jobs. Some people are furloughed. Some people can't pay mm. their mortgage. So of course you're thinking, wow, lucky me, because I actually have got lots of work. But at the same mm. time, I was homeschooling my son. I also had, you know, other things, you know, life. And like you said, the, the COVID world and thinking around your own safety and, and your mm. health and concerns. But the thing that I think has changed universally is this expectation of people's time. Because people would say to me, mm. oh, can you 
they would send me a calendar invite for a late evening call, or they would ask me to do something by the end of the day or the end of the week, because their assumption is, well, we're all at home. So why can't you, of course you can do it because you're at home. Yeah. And this idea that because the internet, <laughs> yeah, because the internet is on 24 seven, that that means that you are. And I think the yeah. expectation for, as I said, friends, some of them who work in, in beauty PR, some of them who work in journalism and the expectation mm. used to be, okay, I'm going to email you between nine and six. Now, it's it's there's no limit it's like anyone can send yeah. you a whatsapp or or email at any time and expect you to just go can you just jump on your laptop now because we'll, mm. what else would why, why can't you you know mm. and that's no, why i think yeah. this uh, that's why i think this blend has just gone wider and wider and wider so people that are telling me that they're working 14 hour days and I'm, I'm thinking this is insane you know i have a friend she's that's like I, I eat my breakfast at my desk i eat my lunch at my desk and then she's like by the time i finish all of the virtual meetings that i have with the different departments the different teams in the organization then it's time to sit down and actually do the work and then it's mm. go to bed and then she gets up and does it again and i yeah. think it's it's it, like you say it's not surprising but i think what what kind of I guess my point is that if we don't know, as you said, the future hasn't yet been defined, but in mm. the meantime, people can't just work like this, basically. No. It's just, this is they not can't. okay. <laughs> Burnout is not okay. And 42% millennials having experienced that is not okay. And I feel like there is this collective harm that is going to cause upon this generation of people who've had to deal with everything that's happened in this post-COVID world. And I feel like, if, if the powers that be don't address this, we'll have some serious issues in a couple of years um, or with the way in which the working world exists. And I think that, um, it, you know, I, I, I totally agree with your point. I think time has now just become this blurred line where people just expect so much from you at all hours and it's ridiculous. And even I remember um, recently one of our uh, partners that we're working with, and I'm strictly trying to adopt like a four-day week. Like I work ridiculous amounts of hours but also Friday is my day it's my team's day nobody works on Fridays and one of the partners that I was working with they were like oh okay yeah let's just jump on a call tomorrow the Friday and do a whole bunch of work and I was just like listen like we do not work on Fridays I'm very adamant that this will have to be on Monday like you just have to get with the program and they were quite shocked they were just like oh oh okay you don't work on Fridays so like your whole team maybe you (laughs) anyone you've got an intern I was like, no, nobody is working. And I don't care how urgent this is, nobody's working. But if I don't put my foot down, I know a lot of people probably might not be in a position to put their foot down, you would just end up working <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. And it's 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 really detrimental, especially if you're a, a freelancer or running a small business and it's like you don't want to, like you said, like not be appreciative of the work that you've got because other people don't have this work and you just want to be grateful and keep it moving. But at the same time, it's like, to what cost do Mm. you have to do that till? And for how long? Because you can't do that forever. And something has to give. And if not, your body will give in, basically. Well, well, the how long. So when you said for at what cost and for how long, that's the next thing I want to talk about. Because I know Mm. that I, maybe some people listening to this, and also I know some people that I'm friends with who kind of they don't really agree with this they think you know what there's a time and a place in your life Mm. when you have to just basically shut up and put up and do the work and and I know like I say a couple of friends who've said to me actually for the first five years of their careers they were like yeah I was I was working from eight till eight I did that every single Mm. day because I was junior or because I was building and and I was at the start of my Mm. business and actually later on when you've and I know I think you said again yesterday that 
people have said this to you. It's like, it does become a point where later on, okay, now you could maybe create some work-life balance or now you can have Fridays off or now, but the first, like I say, startup bit, the build bit, the growth, the kind of hustle bit, actually, you know, you can't have it all. You just need to work and build it. And if I'm honest, again, I always want to be honest when people ask me for advice. And I probably think at one point in my life, I probably agreed with that rationale because I used to think, okay, Mm. Adrienne, you've got to do double, do the most, keep going, say yes to opportunities. You're building the foundation, you know, build your network, Mm. blah, blah, blah. But guess what? Eight years on, you realize it's been eight years and you've been working in that way because you've set that precedent and you've you've become used to it that's that was my default so speaking Mm. from experience of course I'm not going to turn around to people and say yes from day one I always had boundaries I always had balance I didn't (laughs) I didn't and so it's that it's that tricky thing of like well would you have been able to build it if you had done that from the start but as you Mm. said for how long and at what cost so yeah do you think Mm. if someone's at the start of their journey the rules don't apply to 10 years later when maybe they have a little bit more control over setting those boundaries Mm. Mm. I, I I totally agree and I and to the point of what I was saying in my Instagram stories I I I rightly so have been in that space I have worked all hours weekends evenings on my lunch break on my full-time job sometimes like booking days off just so I can catch up with like meetings just because I was just trying to make it all work and I didn't want to say no to stuff doing unpaid stuff like loads of stuff that you just thought this is going to help me later in life let me just do it now yeah. um it's hard to call when you stop, right? Because the question of how long is is one I can imagine definitely young people, um, millennial generation Z are probably so quick to be like, can't do this anymore. I just want, I just want to, you know, have a nice house and have a nice career, have a nice life. But I do think there's a generation of us who've just put up with it. And I think that comes probably from our parents' generation where they've been like, you work in a job for 30 years, you get a mortgage, <laughs> you you set, you create a life for yourself and that's it. Whereas there's a new generation of people who were like, I'm going to do this for probably for like a year and then that's it. Or yeah. I'm going to do this for six months, get my experience, keep it moving. And then I'm going to go to the next opportunity and the next job or, the, or create the next thing. Um, and I think that's important because you need to know how long you have to do this hustle for. Because the danger is doing it for too long that you go to the space where you see other people progressing past you, you see yourself still being undervalued, you see yourself still being treated like the assistant, even though your level is actually far more advanced. Um, And you need to basically say how long you're planning to do this thing for, how long that hustle is for. And for me, it was kind of a turning point when the business was scaling and I was just like, kept asking myself, like, if you had the same amount of hours to put into this business than you do with the business that you work at full time, how far could you take this? You know, how yes. how much could you continue to build? And I knew a lot of people who were going freelance around me. And I was like, you know, could I do that? Could I go freelance? How can I build a career around that? How can I pay rent? Like the actual genuine concerns of anyone that's deciding to leave their job. Um and I remember thinking, like, is this the right time? I had, like, a huge panic attack in, I'll never forget, it was Warren, Warren Street Tube Station. It was in the tube during rush hour. And it was the same day that I spoke to my boss and I was basically like, I'm going to go freelance. And although she was, like, super cool, she was super fine, she was like, you can, you can work freelance with me for a couple of months to roll you out of your, of your, of your job. Um, I was just really, like, I was I was expecting pushback. I was expecting her to say, like, no, you can't do that. 
um, and almost kind of like helped me not make the decision that I was making. Mm. And I, I had a huge panic attack that same evening. I was just like, oh my God, you're quitting your job. Like the one thing that you've always been taught is like important to taking care of your household, your, everything around you, like your life, your livelihood and keeping you like afloat. You're quitting to just go freelance and to focus on the business that can't necessarily pay you just yet what are you doing and I it, it was it was nerve-wracking and it, you know I didn't know if that was the right time if it was the right decision if I should have saved more if you know um I should have waited or maybe if it was actually sooner but all I knew was that I couldn't go on any longer I couldn't do the evenings anymore I couldn't do the lunch breaks I couldn't do the weekends and spending um uh, time away from family and friends for just working on around the clock because I was trying to do this hustle something had to give yeah. and I knew that if I had to um uh you know center or put myself first that was one of those things that I had to give really I couldn't sacrifice anything else just to make those two things work I had to just go at it and make it work for myself and that was what I was saying to myself so that was the moment I realized uh you know the how long question and that's how I answered it but there's no framework for that, right? There's no, there's no course or, um, you know, system that said this is probably where you would want to, you know, make the decision. I know so many people who've made the decision to quit their jobs, go freelance, focus on their business, and they've always done it at the breaking point, never at the time yeah. that was just right for the business or for themselves. It was always like this is too much. If I don't stop, I'm going to collapse. And that's really harming. That's really dangerous. Like it's, it's like I'm on the brink of burnout. So this is where I realized what, what I'm doing is just ridiculous. Working yeah. these crazy hours and working around the clock. Um, and I wish there was something that existed that would make it easier to make that decision so that we're not having to push ourselves to the absolute edge. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, that story, just so many of my friends that, you know, a friend of mine who he actually runs a charity and, and he was working whilst mm. he was building it and it was growing. And as you, exactly what you described, you end up doing two full-time jobs until you yeah. have the courage to leave the, the kind of paid salary job and go all in on yourself. And it's exactly that mm. which conversation I've had with so many people and myself included sometimes around, you know what, if you were to go all in on this one thing, you know, how mm. much more when you when you think about what you've been able to achieve just by doing it in the evenings or at the weekends, you know, if that was your wake up Monday, morning 9 a.m and that's your focus how different would it be imagine yeah wow and that's when I think sometimes people go oh wow actually and it you know you're right but for whatever reason the the decision making process you know I've got decision making process frameworks I know that other people have and you have to find one that works but ultimately Mm. there's always a bit of fear right there's always going to be that fear that risk element but what I like to say to people as well now if they're in that position is about this idea of decisions that are like a revolving door versus decisions mm. that are a closed one-way door and I got this mm. from uh, from Elon Musk so it's not my idea but he basically <laughs> says that some decisions are a revolving door so if it's the wrong decision you can kind of go back you know just just go mm. back whereas some are a closed door decision once you make the decision you can never ever go back but those yeah. decisions are very 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 small it's usually five percent so even if you did decide mm. like when you spoke to your boss and said right I'm going to go freelance and then you know fortunately it was the right decision but even if it wasn't worst case scenario could you one year later have started applying for new jobs oh yeah 120 percent. actually like yeah. straight away actually a couple of months doing going freelance I saw so many jobs I was like 
I would be sick at that, but I was just <laughs> passing them over to the people. And I, even to this day, like people approach me and headhunt me for different things. And I'm just like, I would love that, but I want to focus on this. And I definitely think early stage freelance, I was like, not in the, the position where I was like, I'm in dire need of finance. I need to go back into a full-time job, but more so like, oh, I can actually see jobs that I think I would just love to do and question whether or not, be in the decision-making space where I can question whether or not I should apply for them, go for them. Instead, what I did do is work freelance for those organisations. So I still got to work alongside those teams and those projects, but not to the capacity where I was a full-time member of staff, but instead working freelance so I can just be contracted and leave. And that was really enjoyable for me because it meant that I could still be a part of whatever was being created. Um, and and that that's not like how I approached it. But I definitely saw loads of stuff that I was like, should I just get back into full-time work? That'd be fun, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> and actually, I think for anyone that's starting a business, there's a, almost like an, an end date, right? There's an end date for everything, for larger organizations where they IPO or they sell them or whatever it may be it's not forever definitely not definitely in this new age this digital age where we're building things as quickly as we are closing them um and I think that even I have a potential end date you know I want to have kids I want to slow down I can't do this forever I'd love to just be a stay-at-home mum you know there's things in my life that I definitely want that doesn't require just me focus on my business the whole time and that's something that I just know is my potential end date. And whenever that is, yeah, of course I'll take a job, a full-time job um, or a part-time job so I can have something that's consistent, raise my kids and live in my lovely house. Like, do you know what I mean? So like, there's, yeah, I think there's you a lot always to have to have, isn't there? yeah, they, you always, there is always that goal. Um, for many people, it's very, you know, it's vastly different, but I definitely feel like for founders, there's this like, you're just working on this thing, you're building and building and building, but you always have this dream of where you want to end up. Some people just want to have a lovely mansion and live on a beach. You always have that end goal of where you see yourself. Um, and for me, I you know, I had to really sit down and be like, Nicole, can you do this forever until you die? Like, can you actually do this forever? And if you can't, when will you stop? And when you stop, what will you then do? And that was what I've, maybe it's because I turned 30 recently. I was just like asking myself these questions. Like how many more years have you got, Nicole? <laughs> because yeah. you should have a retirement plan. Like, you know, you freelance and then you forget that you need your own pension. You need your own kind of like life plan. And for me, I was just like, okay, start thinking about that now. So that when you start building the career, the life that you want, you can start initiating that life plan, um, that long-term life plan and it's become it just becomes second nature rather than it being like I've worked myself to the bone I have to now stop um and I think there's a lot to be said for the life part of that you know the life part Mm. not just the the work or the business also the yeah the perception part because I think sometimes you know when you said then you know I want to have children I want to be a stay-at-home mum and you know I had a phase in my life when I was a stay-at-home mum and it was amazing Mm. and that time what a blessing to be able to be at home with my son you know every day was going Mm. to the forest we're picking up sticks we're going swimming (laughs) we're singing songs you know it's like what a blessing because obviously for some people you know when they have a child and they have to be back into employment because they need, you know, needs must. So I think that, yeah. yeah, I think the mindset around that is something to be said about as well, because I think often people go, oh, they, 
you know, they have to give up their career to just be a mum, or it's this sacrifice mm. idea that's kind of like, you know, like it's a second best or like a, sometimes mm. I feel that anyway, especially for women who kind of ask me for advice. Cause they're like, wait, you're a mum and you do these other things. And it's kind of, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said in choice and saying that actually mm. how nice to think about choosing your life and work mm. being a part of that, but not defining your entire life by the fact you're a CEO or by the fact that you're yeah. Uh, you know an author or whatever I think people if we put life at the center of our lives I think a lot of Of people would make different decisions and maybe they'd be happier for it oh you're literally speaking my language like this is this is where I I am in life like honestly like I I I appreciate like people who are coming into this various different industries are probably not thinking at this stage and they're probably like oh you're at a different stage of your life Nicole so I'm still hustling I, I I really appreciate that and I think there is a bit of a hustle that you do at the start but I think the the biggest lesson that COVID and everything that the last lockdown has taught us is how precious and valuable life is and how we should hone in on, am I enjoying my life by what I'm doing? Um, even if you're starting out really early stage, whatever it may be, but if you're also kind of a later stage, like, am I enjoying what I'm doing in my life, not just in my work? Because life comes first. Work is just a part of that. And building your career, being really successful, accolades after accolades, doesn't mean anything if you aren't enjoying your life. And life is so, it's so precious. And I've just become more appreciative of all that life has to command and the people that you have in your life to celebrate you, who champion you, who love you. And, you know, as much as I want to be known for, you know, the, the things that I've built, the movements I've made, the businesses I've created, I also want to have a brilliant life. I want to build Mm. a happy life, a long-term healthy life. And if that requires me to slow things down, if that requires me to, um, you know, close up my business, sell my business, whatever it is, and focus on building a life for myself, then that's what I'm going to want to do because I've just seen how valuable that is of everything. Because like we know, even with sitting at home and questioning when and how long, lockdowns and stuff are going to be and when we go back to work and when furlough will be finished and all these kinds of things one thing that remain constant and consistent is our lives it's the lives that we had taking care of each other taking care of you know our communities you know clapping for the nhs whatever it may be it was the life that we had that was the most consistent and uninterrupted thing that we could hold on to whilst the whole world was going crazy out of our houses and so that was the thing that I cherished the most in the last Mm. year that made me so appreciative and one of the lessons that I've come out of you know the lockdowns and all the things that we went through trying to really stay focused on and not getting sidetracked from because I too I can I got massively sidetracked like suddenly the world opened again it was like coffees meetings events you know it's black history month right now so it's just like events 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 and I'm just like yeah sure yeah I'll be there yeah I'll do that and I just I just see myself just falling into the same trap the same mistakes as I did pre-covid the the same Mm -hmm. stuff that made me burn out several times a year and and normalize that burnout as just like oh you're just tired and it's not it's not okay and that's where I was just like don't fall down the same traps of of this kind of work-life environment that we just were all guilty 
of falling down um yeah oh my yeah. gosh me too i'm literally nodding my head off because i I, <laughs> I almost said the words out loud to myself the other day when i was like <laughs> i was actually speaking to candice uh looking at candice brathwaite on the phone and i said to her yeah. how have i got back here it's only october and we had a conversation <laughs> earlier in the year where i was talking about you know doing less so that i could focus more and just i was looking at yeah. my thing i'm like adrienne like you said that trap is so easy to fall back yeah. into because of course if you're an ambitious person and i've got energy and I love I'm an extrovert I want to say yes and and like you said I'll be there I'll be there I'll be there but also I'm having to really just I don't know I don't know I don't have the answer for sure but I think accountability like I've got two people in my life right now who are holding me to account and that that accountability (laughs) to say this is what you said that you wanted and Mm. in order to make that a reality you know are you willing to to make that that change because I think as well the world rewards us for like you said about accolades but also achievement social media like you're rewarded for oh you've just signed this thing or you've just launched that thing or you've just so if you take that away I think you really have to be okay with that's the choice to go you know what those things if I take that away that's okay you know what what what's yeah. left yeah. is a life that is fulfilling what's left is relationships that are important to me as you described and actually that's something that I'm just yeah constantly constantly wrestling with I read a book about you yeah. know essentialism or foot and I'm like yep yeah, I've got it and then four weeks <laughs> later I'm like oh gosh I'm falling back into that again it's hard <laughs> it is so hard it's so hard oh no it's it's so hard and we fall for it right we fall for how easy it is to fall back into this routine and you know the 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 time that we're in as well with the summer that we've just had and moving into this period and and probably Christmas and Halloween all the things that you know previously pre-COVID we were just falling down the trap of like it's it's so easy to jump back in the capitalist hamster wheel like this is this is the current state of affairs so slowing it down and doing what we're doing is quite radical in this system really because we were all forced to do it because of the lockdowns. But now it's like, oh, I need to actually embed this in my everyday. I need to put this in my life or else I'm just going to be burnt out like the 42% of millennials that are who are. And it's just it's just a horrible, horrible cycle that we 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 have to learn from before we let anything like this continue. Um, mm. And I, I'm, I'm two of the same. I also had the same 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 experience where I was like I'm gonna be more chill I'm gonna like not go out as much I'm not you know yeah 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 yeah. and then it's just like whirlwind and it's just (laughs) all consuming so tiresome I think I'm on the edge of burnout I'm not sure and it's just like Nicole what have you done like really and truly (laughs) and everyone in their nan is like you should just go on holiday you should just do this you just do that and it's like honestly I wish I could step away from everything I've said yes to right now but I've already said yes (laughs) right that commitment and also here I am (laughs) right and we all have commitments as well that, that you know even like you said the social commitments but we all have commitments with our work that require it's like the background yeah. stuff people don't see you know the researching the writing the yeah. scripts the you know there's a lot of stuff that is you know you committed to you can't just go everyone who says that to me adrian you know just just take a week <laughs> off and that, or like for example as i said <laughs> being a parent being a parent it's like i have to take Jude to his football i have to wash his kit i have to make the pat lunch i'm not going to yeah. say to him you know what jude i need a week so can you just you know look up look up look up this mum thing yeah yeah do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, holiday pay for that. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I really want to talk to you about the power hour. So, you know, you just mentioned then around, you know, it's quite radical to actually kind of set boundaries. Um, And for me, you know, I don't know how much you know about the concept, but for me, that's the one non-negotiable. So the first hour of every single day has been non-negotiable for me for years. And in all honesty, it's changed Mm. my life. You know, I wouldn't be able Mm. to do all the things I've done and I certainly wouldn't be able to, yeah, enjoy them and maintain the things that I do without my power hour because that first Mm. hour it's very empowering to feel like firstly I start the day with doing Mm. something I want to do whether that's you know running whether that's pilates whether that's reading whether that's whatever I want basically before the rest of the world needs my attention and energy and emails and everything so I'd love to know what the first hour of your day is like and also what time your day starts yeah oh my god you're speaking my language because I've been obsessed about my power hour um I was so bad at doing this pre-COVID, right? But one thing that I realised I was doing um, throughout that those times of lockdown, I was waking up without an alarm. I found it so therapeutic to not feel like I have to jump in an alarm, like jump in the shower, jump on the tube, jump to the XYZ meeting. But to wake up on my own terms was really empowering, for one. The second thing was that I realised that actually nothing important starts before 9am in terms of Ooh. work, in terms mm. of... Um, people responding to you in terms of ticking things off your your work to-do list because I have like life to-do list and then I have a work to-do list nothing is getting ticked off before 9am honey so like what are you doing at that hour um so I started giving myself that um I think it's almost like two hours or three hours between when I wake up at seven to when I start my day at 10 I have three hours of just Nicole so I'm working out I'm reading I'm thinking I think I saw an infographic that talked about how creative people need time to just think. And it's Mm. true. I think, I plan, I come up with creative ideas that aren't related to anything that I'm working on, but are just really cool ideas. I studied products at university, so it's in my blood to constantly be creative. And I give myself that time where it's just me. My working day starts at 10, not nine, not half nine, 10. And I made that decision because I believe that when I have those mornings to myself, I'm powerful. Like I'm a go-getter. Like my head is in the game. I've had my me time. I've given myself a self-reflection. I've done everything that I needed to do in that morning. And I feel like I've got a lot done. And I think regardless of how and what you do and how your day is planned, it's so disheartening when you don't finish, right? When you don't take everything off your to-do list or there's a challenge or you're waiting on something or someone's delayed or someone hasn't emailed you. And you feel really disheartened and feel like unaccomplished. I feel so accomplished in my three hours. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I've done a lot, you know, laundry, done, workout, done, reading, done my new chapter, done, 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 done. And that is what I focus on in terms of every morning when I set my intentions for the day. It's what have you done for yourself in those three hours first, before I even attempt to open my emails, before I even open social media, before I even do anything that requires me to be alert and at work. And Oh, it's just changed. It's just 
been so transformative. Isn't it a game changer? Because this is the thing. Isn't I think when it a people, game changer? <laughs> yeah, people who obviously, you know, I've been doing my power hour now for six years. So this is before I started wow. this podcast, before I wrote the book. And people think, I think initially, maybe, maybe I just need to rebrand but people think like that it's sometimes about you know be more productive and get up earlier to do more and more and more and then when they actually read it they're like wow they're like actually the book you know maybe it wasn't (laughs) what they expected but they're like oh okay like it's about as I said reclaiming your own time because if you don't Mm. the world will take it from you the world will give you more things to do and you know schedule more meetings or there's always something (laughs) on that list that you could be doing and it's so empowering as you said to say you know, even for example, friends, you know, obviously I work in the wellness and fitness space. I have done for a long time. And people that yeah. say the only time that they're able to, you know, train for a marathon or train for a, an Ironman or, and even if they don't think some, someone listening to this might think, well, that's not interesting to me. I don't want to do that. But even <laughs> if it's not, you know, a huge endurance event, what you realize is that when you're focused on one thing, you might think, okay, it's only Mm. 30 minutes every morning or it's only 45 minutes or whatever. But when you add that up over weeks, over months, over years, what you can achieve, Mm. it's, you just cannot underestimate that, that kind of, that compound effect of that one hour a day. So that's also when I say to people about how it's changed my life or what you described then, account workout done, you know, laundry done, read that one chapter done. How many people have a shelf full of books that they say they don't have time to read so it's mm. like one at one chapter a day you're reading maybe if you're doing one chapter a day you could read two books a month so I yeah. think that's also the thing is that whatever it is don't think well it's only an hour so it's not impactful so until I can do mm. the whole thing let me just not bother at all I think that <laughs> one hour that's the thing right it's, oh I can't do it Adrian. I don't have time one hour is not gonna be enough <laughs> but one hour every day I mean yeah like you say this is this, this really changed my life yeah hundred percent it's 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 so and I I saw that change um happening for me and that's why I just became obsessed with it I was just like yeah going forward let's just keep let's just keep consistent with this because this is working out for you and I think some people need to just start to try to see and they'll see how transformative it is you know what I mean like I think it's all well and done saying it to people and they're like yeah yeah yeah, sure 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 but I honestly think you just need to start and I think that was that was what really got me hooked to being like, this hour is for me. And, it, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I've been in therapy for the last year and a half and I'm always constantly thinking about how to give myself the, give myself and fulfill those needs for myself by myself. And so one of that is actually this hour, you know, aside from all the other work that I'm doing, it's these hours that I have in the morning that are just for Nicole. And it could be that I'm just sitting still, like I'm just practicing stillness and meditating it's 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 all a whole bunch of good things and a whole bunch of exciting things all rolled into one Um, and sometimes it's nothing at all but it's still mine and reclaiming that has just been like so transformative to to my own self-development but also it's just helped my team it's helped how I approach new work it's helped just how I have my over my my overall mood with how I progress with my day and I think more people should definitely like practice it for sure. 
Hmm. I agree. That's why, you know, I'm going to keep telling people if you haven't already, <laughs> buy the book. <laughs> but, um, just plug it. But thank you so much, Nicole. Like, so, as I said, that, you know, I knew we'd have lots of interesting things to talk about. I really hope yeah. that we can reconnect, you know, in real life, not just virtually now that things are <laughs> happening, but without us running ourselves everywhere to do so. So, yeah, thank you again for joining. I, I you know, I hope that everyone listening to this has really, really enjoyed the episode. If you have, please let us know you can rate you can review send this episode to a friend who you think would get value you know get value from listening to this conversation we really do appreciate that's how the show grows so thank you again nicole thank you thank you so much oh and quickly if anyone's listening and they don't already where can they find you online you can find me across all the social medias apart from tiktok (laughs) you can find me on uh, Instagram, just ncrystal underscore on Twitter, same ncrystal. Um, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love that platform. It's such a great way to connect with people um, who want to work together or do really cool creative stuff. Um, and just reach out to me. Like, Let me know what you're working on. Let me know what you're practicing, what you're trialing. Happy to always rant on about this, all of this. Like Adrian was saying on, on Instagram stories, I was doing a big rant. Um, but just happy to hear people's thoughts and conversations too. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Nicole, and have an awesome week, everyone. See you soon. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.